Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefined, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for our salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now, for a little while, you have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable, is tested by fire, and may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him. Excuse me. Although you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. <clears throat> May we pray. Grant, O Lord, as I share in this hour, that my thoughts be your thoughts, my words your words, and that our hearts would be open to that which you would have us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I often wonder and worry sometimes when people hear that in this hour and think I'm going to preach for an hour. I can assure you, 59 minutes is tops. <laughs> a number of years ago, one of the scriptures we're preaching was in 1 Kings 19, the story of Elijah. How he had slain all of the, um, all of the uh, priests of Baal, and Isabel says, I'm going to have you killed. Elijah flees to the mountain of God. He's there, and 
There was thunder and there was lightning. God wasn't in those things. King James Version said, Elijah heard a still small voice. And then he goes down to continue his ministry. Why would he do that? Because you see, nothing has changed. God asks him what he's doing there. He says, why he's there. He has this strange encounter with God and God asks him exactly the same question and Elijah gives him exactly the same answer. Nothing's changed. Yet, he goes down under continuing under that threat of death. Why would he do that? And then I think about Paul, how he says in 2 Corinthians, I was imprisoned. I was flogged. I was beaten with rods. I was shipwrecked. I had danger from bandits. I go, had to go without food or drink and often cold and sometimes naked. I changed jobs. Wouldn't you? What is it about that? George Carlin was a clever comedian who often poked fun at our language. He talked about there's flammable and inflammable and non-flammable. He said that's the dumbest thing he's ever heard. It either flams or it doesn't. <laughs> well, he would be delighted to try to unpack Ephesians 3.20, where Paul says the power within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all you can ask or imagine. If you have it all, you have it all. There isn't any left. Does that make sense? I don't think so. You can't have more than all. Daniel goes into the lion's den. The guy was nuts. Had to be. And how about Nicodemus's quandary? Trying to figure out what it was that Jesus attempting to teach him. He never got it. It's an interesting thing. In the Gospel of John, when he uses the word night or dark, it simply means they're not connected to God. This encounter that Jesus had with Nicodemus was at night, and the only other time we've run into Nicodemus and John's gospel was later on, and guess what? It's nighttime. Doesn't have a clue. Because it doesn't make sense, those things that he was trying to teach him. And then we heard our reading this morning where Peter says to his readers, you will suffer grief in all kinds of trials, that is, tests. Why would they do that? Why would they allow themselves to be put in such a position 
to suffer. It's crazy, isn't it? My last church was in Lafayette, Winona, a church right across the river from the zoo. As a matter of fact, when I would take my morning walks, I would often hear the lions roar or the peacocks scream. Anyway, great neighborhood, wonderful neighbors, and they would have block parties every once in a while. And at this block party, a retired professor from Norfolk State was there, and he was pontificating about this book that he had written on happiness. And he went on and on and on about all the stuff happiness is all about. I was finally able to ask him, what about joy? And he said to me, and I will never forget it, and I've often quoted him, happiness is human, but joy is divine. So you see, now, we can go back to all of these things that I've illustrated in the first part of my sermon and unpack it and make sense of it because, you see, we're not talking about human stuff here. We're talking about divine stuff. So, you see, Elijah had that much-needed encounter with God in a way that was needed for Elijah. He didn't need thunder and lightning and all that other stuff. He was scared to death. So God spoke to him quietly, calmly, so that Elijah, knowing God was with him, you see, that's the secret, knowing God was with him, could go down and continue to face that threat of murder from Isabel. One human thing to do. Was a godly thing to do. And Paul, you see, when you're about God's work, you can't do it any else. You just can't. Trust me, I know. Last thing I want to do is be a preacher. And look how that turned out. <laughs> So Paul would, he even says, he rejoiced in his suffering. That's crazy if you're thinking logic. But it makes perfect sense if you're talking about the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's a divine thing. The power within us able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. That's infinite, folks. That's infinite power. It never, ever, could ever, ever run out. George couldn't make sense of it, you see, because he was thinking logically. He was thinking humanly. But this is a divine thing given us, this power in Jesus Christ. Daniel's faith enabled him to go in that lion's den. And Nicodemus, you see, found that, that new life that Jesus promised, that rebirth. 
was a stumbling block to the Jews, but it wasn't to those who trusted in Jesus. And as for the trials that Peter says his readers will go through, nothing is worthwhile without trials. If it's easy, probably not worth doing. But, you see, there's a caveat to that warning of those readers, to that warning to us about having to go through trials and tribulations. Some wonderful words in this passage. Number one is mercy. We have mercy. Should we stray from the path that God has put us on? Should we stray from the commandments to love as he loved? And we go and confess, we have mercy. We have a living hope. Jesus is alive. I know because I met him. I had an overwhelming feeling that I have never experienced in my life except that time when I committed my life to Jesus Christ. I've had a wonderful marriage of 52 going on 53 years. I have three marvelous children who turned out great, three seven wonderful grandchildren. Nothing compares to that moment on that mountain when I said, Jesus, come into my life. Nothing. And I've had some pretty good times. <laughs> Salvation. Whatever we have done is wiped away oh, through the resurrected Jesus Christ. And then we have an inheritance, a place. Oh, where we can have all that God would want us to have. All that God would have us to need for us and for others. Jesus reminds the crowd on the mountain as we read from the text in Matthew. Do not worry. It's interesting, I got a phone call from my Kairos brother. I hadn't spoken to him in quite a while. And he said he was struggling with helping a new Christian. He said he worries all the time. I said, well, that's a human thing. You've got to think about the divine thing. And that's what I want us to do. That's what I want us to focus on. We have the divine in us. So we need not worry. In our Sunday school class, we studied the book of Romans. We got to Romans 8, 26, and we had some difficulty unpacking that passage because it, it talks about, uh, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with words. 
with sighs, too deep for words. So we questioned, well, how do we pray? William Barclay, when he was, when he commented on this passage, said there are two things that we need to remember. Number one, when we pray, remember, we don't know the future. We don't know what's going to happen next. So we surrender that to God. And the other thing he reminded us is that we really don't know what's best for us. But God does. So you see, God can lead us where we need to go, have us do the things we need to do. They may not make sense. They may be difficult. They may even be dangerous. They may be extremely unpleasant. But we're doing God's thing, aren't we? And in that, Peter says, we can rejoice. We can rejoice. We can be full of joy knowing that God will lead us. It's a wonderful passage by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. It's in the hymns for the family of God, and that song they just sang is one of the hymns that's found in there. It's one of, our, one of my favorites. But anyway, he says... You grant me the serene solitude that you exist and that you will take care that not all the paths of good be closed. Atop the ridge of earthly fame, I look back in wonder, in wonder at the path which I alone could never have found. The song says, he leadeth me, oh, blessed thought, oh, words, with heavenly comfort cross. Heavenly comfort. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Isn't that a joyous thing to know that? The psalmist said, he leads me in paths of righteousness. What a joy. To know that, and what a joy to live it out. You see, this, this joy has absolutely nothing to do with our circumstances. That's why I think that First Kings passage is so important. Nothing changed except Elijah's perspective. Accept Elijah's assurance. Accept that God's word touched him. And he could defy that threat over him and go down and continue the work God would have him to do. I think of Fanny Crosby. And she talks about how she was thankful that God had taken her sight. How could she say that? That doesn't make any sense. But it does. You see, because she knew Jesus. Jesus was in her heart. 
And that's why we have so many wondrous songs that she has written, that we sing. Blessed assurance, she says, Jesus is mine. What a joy. And Horatio Spafford. He lost his family in a shipwreck, and he went back from where he was, sailing across the ocean, and he asked the captain to stop where he lost his family. He went up on the deck for a little while, and then he went down, and he wrote that wonderful hymn. Whatever my life, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It's not about circumstance. It's about the fact that God is with us and God is in us. And we have a wondrous power, an inexplicable power. I've been changed. I've been newborn. All my life has been rearranged. That's what I can say, certainly. And I hope you can too, because what a joy it is to know that God can take us and remold us into what God would have us to do and God would have us to be and where God would have us to work. The book of Revelations is probably one of the most difficult Bibles to interpret because oftentimes we try to read it literally and it is full of symbolisms and images. But I tell people, really, Revelations is rather simple. It has one very, very powerful and important message. In the end, Jesus wins. In the end, because he is in us, we win. That's joy. That's joy. Thanks be to God.